So with me is uh, Aaron Burdett of the Steve Canyon Rangers. And I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and uh, joining us and happy to have you here. Yeah, thank you, Elliot. Glad to be here. So I kind of want to start off by saying if you can kind of introduce yourself, I'll tell you what you play, what you do, and a little bit about the Steve Canyon Rangers for those who don't, do not know the group. Well, my name is Aaron Burdett. I am one of the vocalists and the guitarist for Steve Canyon Rangers. I've been in the band for a little over a year now. We are based in Western North Carolina. The band started as a uh, strictly as a traditional bluegrass band. Started evolving uh, maybe 10, 12 years ago into some broader, broader genres. You, you might call it progressive bluegrass. You might call it Americana. But uh, we still kind of say we're a bluegrass band, although we play a lot of different things. We also are fairly well known for our work with Steve Martin. And uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short show as of late, but the band has been playing with Steve's for, I don't know, maybe 15 years now. And uh, speaking of Steve Martin, that's how I came to know more about the group with my dad and I, because my dad's more of a bluegrass fan than I am. This was kind of like my planting the seed of bluegrass was this group, actually. Um, Yeah, yeah. Knowing a lot about Steve Martin, of course, but uh, this was a nice like transition into that. So I learned more about the world of bluegrass. And so... My favorite album from the group is the Long Awaited album. It has a lot of like these sweet, uplifting harmonies, songs like, you know, Santa yeah. Fan, All Night Long. And yeah. like for audiences, I know that uh, for a second, the second track, Caroline, featured SNL alumni Bill Hader and Cecily Strong on the music video. So to go on from there, do you know how this collaboration started with, with Steve Martin? With Steve? Well, I do. <clears throat> I've heard this story a bunch of times and kind of unusual happenstance. They met Steve through his now wife, who they knew from Western North Carolina long before they started dating. And so I think they were in New York visiting, playing and visiting with her. And she said, hey, I've started, I've been dating Steve Martin. And they're like, you mean the Steve Martin and the Steve Martin? She was like, yeah. So one thing led to another and they ended up playing some, you know, playing music over there with him at her place. And I think then ultimately Steve decided he wanted to go on tour playing some music. He called the band. They started um, touring together, playing straight, just playing like straight bluegrass shows. A little bit of back and forth on stage between them, but nothing like what we do now. Like what we do with him now is they do, they, he runs a comedy show with Martin Short and we just do a, a handful of songs in that show as a part of it. Um, but back then they were just uh, riding the bus with Steve doing two hour bluegrass shows every night. Just tell us about your musical origins. Well, I'm, I come from originally from a, a little more of a singer songwriter background, but then in through my teens and started writing in my twenties when I was in Boone, North Carolina and had been pretty well infected by uh Doc Watson and Norman Blake and Tony Rice and all that bluegrass and newgrass that was going on up there in the 1990s, I guess. And I, I moved back to my hometown in the early 2000s, and I've put out seven or eight albums of my own under my own name prior to joining the Rangers, and that's kind of what made it happen. Their founding singer, Woody, retired, had announced he was retiring last uh, spring, well, not last spring, it was 2022. 
I hadn't been paying attention and hadn't even heard that. I think they, they spent a while trying to figure out what they were going to do. Were they going to try to run as a five piece? Were they going to, you know, what, what, what were they going to do? Were they going to, um, they, they looked for some singers and guitarists and I guess they weren't working out well and uh, called me in June of last year. And uh, I started playing some shows with them, testing it out and it worked really well. So, I mean, ultimately I am a, bluegrass leaning singer songwriter that's been doing it a long time and got the call to join this group felt like it was a good fit and worth worth doing and and having to let go of my own solo career somewhat well a fair amount there's just not much time left i'm still doing it and still writing and i assume we'll still put out some music now and then but i'm you know i'm in ranger land now and uh it's been working really well uh, you know i write a lot of songs as well and so i've been able to contribute there it's been a fairly seamless and painless uh transition for for all of us really yeah and the album is uh, coming out um in a few weeks called morning shift uh, i was reading on the band's website it took place at uh back cave north carolina at the inn back cave and can you tell me about the significance of recording there and also your first album uh recording them so what was that like Having not recorded with them before, but having done a lot of recording, the place you are in the studio where you record can have a lot to do with the attitude and the, the product at the end of the day. And uh, they had been apparently wanting to do something like this for a long time where we we rented out this inn and set up there and had the engineer come in and set up a studio and uh, his name's Dave Senko, a mad scientist, genius kind of guy, and who was actually brought to us by Daryl Scott, who produced the album. And uh, it, it's a it's a it's a slight departure from the albums in the past. Well, partially because uh, partially because I'm there, partially because even before they had found me, the band had been reconfiguring and um, recombining and really thinking about what if they had to do this without another singer or guitarist or what I, they, they went through a lot of different thought processes. I, I kind of call it a near death experience because they, they really didn't know what was going to happen real adamant about uh, what we were going to do and what the album was going to be like from a, from an artistic point of view. He was just interested in what, what this band was now. And he wasn't interested in shying away from the fact that they'd had a shakeup and, they had a new person and they had a new energy and he said, let's let go of all that stuff you've done in the past and let's just make the best album we can make with these six people here. And that's what we did. The CPK were interested in performing at the Phillips Center for the Performing Arts at Gainesville November 6th. And I wanted to know, have you ever played in Gainesville before? If so, what's it been like? I don't, I could be mistaken, but I, I'm not sure that we, I have played Gainesville uh, with the band yet. Have you personally ever like on from your solo career? I don't think so. Sometimes I have to look these things up because <laughs> both my memory is not what it used to be. And it didn't used to be very good. <laughs> We've had, we have a good history down there. I do know that. Excellent. I just looked on, I just searched on my calendar here mm -hmm. and it looks to me like if this information can be trusted, it looks to me like the band prior to my joining played there five years ago in 2018 at uh, also at the Phillips center. Okay. 
Mar- March of 2018. So that may be that may be our our last touch point in exactly that spot. Oh, okay. Okay. See, so I don't know stuff, but I know where to look it up. Yeah, they, hey, you're a journalist. You know what to do. <laughs> cool. Okay. These next couple of questions are uh, more more bluesgrass questions for you. So, um, sure. I wanted to know. Uh, this is also coming from my dad here. So, he's here in spirit. Does the band use uh, tenor banjos or other sizes? No, no, not currently. He let's see, Graham. He plays a um, various closed back resonator style banjos and he also plays this really interesting electric banjo setup it's like a it's like a almost more it's kind of the steampunk looking frankenstein thing that's got a a resonator in it uh like a national steel would and it has a uh a humbucker pickup on it so he plays that in a fair amount of our uh live show and um it has kind of a telecaster sound to it so um those are the only banjos that i have seen on stage or uh, actually with the band i'm sure there's all kinds of crap in the closets but he basically plays a fairly standard uh bluegrass setup banjo and then that electric travels with us a good bit all the time really and the next question um, my dad also had was, um, I'm here. Uh, what do you think of groups like the Punch Brothers and Bella Fleck? Oh, gosh. Well, they're, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't even know what to say other than they're a part of this, uh, this sort of pantheon of, for lack of a better term, newgrass artists. Uh, all the stuff that came from our predecessors uh you know the from from my point of view the tony rice norman blake that new grass revival doc watson if you go back uh far enough they all led directly to bela fleck and the fleck tones and um uh new grass revival and you got your tony trishkas and you've got your you know appalachian waltz type stuff your yo-yo ma the all this crossover edgar meyer um classical sensibilities on bluegrass instruments. Uh, and I put, uh, and then you've got, you've got your sort of songwriting sides of that, which gets into your nickel creeks, gets into your Chris Thiele's, um, your Sam Bushes and your Jerry Douglas's. And it's, it's just been this big mishmash of um, not, what we would call traditional bluegrass, but bluegrass themed or infused or informed music that's of a broader of a broader palette. So while we are not Bela Fleck or uh, Punch Brothers, I feel like we're right in those same circles. Um, yeah, no, that's it's. <clears throat> In a way, they're all we're all doing the same thing, trying to reach out and stay inspired, playing these instruments we love so much from a genre we love so much, without being um, entirely constrained by the rigidity that's required to be a traditional 
uh, bluegrass band. And that's not to be downplayed either. That's a, it's an intense art form uh, that we have found uh, we, we like to step outside of a good bit. And for my last question, um, you just said that it's an intense art form for people that um, who have not listened or have not really thought of to give it a chance. Why should they? Well, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. I think a lot of folks, including everybody in this band, were uh, were led to traditional bluegrass through a more progressive version of it. For instance, a lot of us came from Jerry Garcia, Grateful Dead, um, and realizing that that's sort of where he came from and sort of tracing that back. You get to the Dave Grisman, you if you hear a, a banjo and a fiddle and uh, okay. So a great example would be what you just mentioned. Bela Fleck, Punch Brothers, any of these band, uh, Billy Strings, uh, Old Crow Medicine Show, Steve Canyon Rangers, any of these acts that are out there on the circuit today, Molly Tuttle, infamous string dusters. These are all entry points into that world. And, if you get a little bit interested in that, you might start branching out and, and seeing, oh, well, wait, where did this come from? In the same way that if you're listening to bluegrass, you're going to go back and listen to some old time because that's where that came from. It just keeps broadening out. And the definition of bluegrass keeps broadening out. Um, they'll call some stuff bluegrass in uh, Colorado that would never get considered bluegrass in, proper in uh, North Carolina or Pennsylvania or places where that it's really a really strong tradition of traditional bluegrass. Um, but I think it's something any of those people that I just mentioned, you know, draws your, draws your ear. You might just start looking around a little bit and see there, there's a, there's an energy to it much in the way people might listen to ragtime jazz or bebop or stuff that's from a real specific era but somehow has a feeling of that era and um, some things that were going on then. And if you were going to be a ragtime jazz or, uh, or bebop era or, uh, or bluegrass band trying to do play music from that era, you would try to be as specific as you can. You're not going to throw a bunch of jazz licks in from 1970s, or you're not going to throw a synthesizer in or, uh, God forbid a set of drums, you know, that, that, that's a, that's a big no, no. So I think if any of those groups, you know, you hear anything you like, you just naturally going to start checking it out. I don't think you can tell anybody to like anything. I think that's all the questions I have. Um, is there anything you want to bring up or anything that I didn't uh, ask? Do you think it's worth noting? About it. We're just excited to play and get this music out and into people's hands. Uh, again, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your day doing this and um, uh, safe travels. And uh, I can't wait to listen to the new album, Aaron. Yeah, sounds good. I'll see you down there and thank your dad for the questions. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He'll love that. All right. <laughs>